All right. Well, welcome to Press Church. Are you awake now? Are you awake? Are we awake? I know it's a little, a little dreary out. Are we awake? Good. I am so glad to be uh, here with you today. Welcome. My name is Sean Lee. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you who are joining us online, welcome as well. I hope you're doing well. Um, I would like to uh, start off by just letting you guys know some of the things coming up here at the church. Uh, we do have a QR code on the screens that you can take your phone out and you can click uh, to see some things coming up. There's also a bunch of links uh, that can help you connect to the things that we are doing here. I do want to hit just a couple things real quick, so let's focus. Uh, resupply drive. We are collecting items for our next door neighbor schools. There's a list out there of things we're collecting. Uh, we're going to probably collect for a couple more weeks, so as you're out shopping this week, uh, take one of, there's some papers out there, take a list, uh, pick up some of those things. Um, it, it means so much to the teachers. Like, I, I, the secretary is always just super um, thankful uh, when we do stuff like this. And so, um, you guys are making a difference. It, it really speaks to them and, and helps them. Uh, the other thing coming up, uh, ladies, there is a conference coming up called the IF Conference. This is something you need to sign up for and you need to go to. This is a great time of fellowship. It's a great time to connect, to meet people, to grow relationships, and to grow in your faith. And so uh, I want to encourage you. You can sign up through, well, put it this way. If you have questions signing up, Chrissy Bontrager will be uh, out in the lobby afterwards. If you have any questions, but you can prepay through links, um, through the QR code. Again, if you have any questions after service, I will be at the Connect Desk. Chrissy will be around. We'd be help, uh, happy to help connect you uh, so that you can sign up for that. Highly recommended that you do that. Um, the other thing I want to highlight is giving. Uh, we do not do this without your support. So I would encourage you today to make sure that you uh, give and give generously. We appreciate everything that you do. We have a box by the back exit that you can drop giving in. You can also give through our QR code. And then we have a text to give number as well. Um, it means so much uh, for you to join us in supporting this way, and it goes directly to funding the mission of what we do here at Press Church. Uh, I want to remind you guys, after service today, we do have our kind of uh, all-in meeting after service. If this is your first week, you're welcome to come to this as well. It's basically going to be, hopefully, a 15 to 20-minute meeting after service. We're going to stay in here, uh, give you highlights of how we ended the year, celebrate some of the things that happened, and then give you guys some vision of what to look forward to this year um, for the rest of the year. And so I'm just, I want to encourage you, if, you, if at all possible, uh, stick around uh, so you can hear that stuff. All right. Crazy train. Who feels like their relationships sometimes are a crazy train? Like, it's just, it's nuts. Like, you can't keep up, and it just nonstop craziness. Okay, I'm the only one. Cool. Um, something's wrong with me, I guess. Uh, no, this series is all about recognizing and confronting what we're calling these crazy indicators that wreak havoc on our relationships. Uh, if you joined us at the beginning of the series, which I'd like to say, if you weren't able to make it last week, uh, we, we had kind of a, we didn't, do this series last week. We re uh, recognized Chrissy Bontrager as a, as a pastor last week, and can we just, that, that was a great service, and it was just awesome to be together and to celebrate Chrissy uh, and everything that she's doing and the ways that she is uh, just blessed this ministry. So if you weren't here last week, uh, make sure to go up to her and just congratulate her. Um, this has been, like I said, like a two, two and a half year process of just working through stuff, and um, it's been really cool. But we're back in the series. Uh, the first couple weeks, we talked about expectations um, and how these expectations really impact our relationships. And if we let, leave these expectations unchecked, 
um, they really do cause, uh, they cause tension. They cause issues within our relationships if we don't work through these expectations. Um, and it really is this. If we don't work through them, we, don't, we never see how unhealthy they are. If we don't talk about them, we don't see the impact that they're actually having in the people around us. We want to get off the crazy cycle, right? We want to end this cycle of crazy and this cycle of, of conflict, and we want to move into relationships that honor God and bring honor to him, but also bring life to us. So this week, we are diving into another, I would say, crazy indicator, and that's this fear of rejection and desire for acceptance, and it's not that those in themselves are just crazy, but if we leave these unchecked, they can become massive problems in our relationship. When we when let fear drive the relationship, when it's all about wanting to be accepted, uh, we do things that are really outside of, of who we are. So I do want to intro this week. Every week, our teaching team, we get together, and we hop in a car, and we film a little video of us talking about the message. So let's uh, send our attention to the screens and watch the video. <laughs> Want to talk about fear? <laughs> fear of rejection. It all comes down to fear, really. Yeah, so, you know, this week we're really going to talk about how rejection, uh, I would say, influences us in how we deal with our relationships and that that fear of that rejection yeah. yeah i think i think the rejection is a is a major factor in and everyone's approach to relationships right but um it's uh different aspects of what rejection means you know we're all yeah we, we can put on a brave face and say well yeah i don't really care if people reject me or not but at some right. core level we right. all care about being accepted right, right. Uh, maybe it's not on the negative side the fear of rejection but there's a group desire that you want to be the desire for acceptance accepted is actually yeah, yeah and then dealing with the disappointment when that doesn't happen and it is you're going to get rejected yeah. that's the thing <laughs> like the reality of any group of people any relationship whatever there's going to be yeah. rejection right and well, so and we there's yeah. a point at which rejection is can actually be a good thing because it teaches me how to be with other people like if someone doesn't want to be around me because i never shower and i stink <laughs> you know like at some point maybe i learn hygiene to, is a good maybe i learn hygiene because i you know and i'm afraid of being rejected so right. i learned something good in that there, there there are ways to you know recognize that rejection isn't the worst possible thing that could happen. Right. But I do feel like what we miss, like you just said, Jason, sometimes the the lesson we need to learn comes from the feeling of pain. Right. Yeah. And and yes, that's not fun. That's not a fun like process to go through. Sometimes but... that's the only way we're gonna learn that. Right. Yeah. And, and and failing or being rejected is not the end of your existence. Mm, right. That, that's the thing is we, we forget it's okay. Just like you said, you know, avoiding pain seems to be the highest priority mm-hmm. in, a, in our culture a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But we forget pain is what teaches us not to touch the hot stove. Mm-hmm. So if we've never experienced pain, mm. we don't know to avoid certain things. Right. We haven't learned those lessons because everything was just handed to us. Mm. I think, you know, a lot of people, as you 
mature, the older you get, you go, yeah, that's true. Except how many <laughs> older people that should be mature were, were all avoiding relationships because we don't like the way it makes us feel about ourselves. Yeah. And the reality is, is it, it, that's something you're going to struggle with. And working through that sadness and grief of rejection mm. is going to be very important for your health mm. is going to be very important, yeah. uh, spiritually and mentally. The one way to really work through it is to understand that God is the ultimate definer of who you are, yeah. you know, and he loves you, mm. but we're going to have to hold on to that because as we said a couple weeks ago, people are crazy. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah, dismiss yeah, yeah. the craziness. Yeah, right. And like, there's still pain when yeah. we are rejected. Yeah. But this doesn't yeah. take it away. Exactly. It gives us a hope beyond yeah, yeah, it. Yes. That, right. Uh, dealing with uh, crazy people, crazy situations, and yourself maybe uh, in the crazy realm. The first step is admitting it, right? <laughs> yep. We have to we have yep. to accept the reality. Yeah. And uh, you know we're not going to be able to to engage in relationships, which we're called to do. Yeah. Yes. We're called to engage in relationships. Yeah. The the way to do that, we're going to have to accept who we are, our our identity in Christ, in order to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, so. Yes, but I mean, here's the question. How do we do that? Yeah. So um, if we take a step back and and we look at why we do the things that we do, uh, so much of it is driven by what could be. It's the power of potential, right? If you think about so much of the way you act is is driven out of what potentially could happen. You think about every time the Mega Millions comes around, you got people going out and buying lottery tickets for the potential of, of striking it big. There's a chance I could win all of that money. And so we, we are driven to do something that we no, normally wouldn't do, but there's potential. Uh, it reminds me of the highly acclaimed and very uh, awesome movie, Dumb and Dumber. Anybody? Anybody? You know, Jim Carrey's character, he's, he's got the hots for this girl. And he's like, you know, he's doing his thing. He goes up to her. And he's like, so, so what are the chances? Like one in a hundred, you know? And, and she goes, no, more like one in a million. And what does he do? He gets all happy. He's got this big old smile. And he goes, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> potential. The potential of something leads us to do things. And just like potential for good can motivate us, the potential for pain or failure can cause us fear. And then that leads us to do things or become something that we never expected to be. Or to do things we never expected that we would do. This is why the reason, this is the reason why fear of rejection can be a crazy indicator in our relationships. Because when we approach relationships with the main goal of not being rejected, we set ourselves up for failure. Mostly because if, if our sole focus is on trying to be someone, it, it becomes trying to be someone we're not. That's our sole focus. What do I have to be to not be rejected? What do they want from me? The goal is what do they want? And if you've done this, maybe you're doing this now, if you've been in a relationship like this, you realize just how tiring and unfulfilling that is. I mean, anybody remember their like junior high or high school crushes? The things that you did to try to get the other person to like you. All of a sudden, you're talking in ways that you never thought you would talk before. You're wearing clothes, and you're like, why did I wear that? You know, you look back at those pictures, and, and it's like, 
why did I do that? You know, guys, we started watching chick flicks. Like, what? Why are we doing this? Because we want to spend time with the girl. We want to, we want to be around them. We're, we're doing things that are kind of outside our norm. And sure, these things may seem harmless, but they're rooted in wanting the other person to like us, to accept us, to embrace us. And before you know it, we're, we're somebody completely different than the person we are, all because we don't want to be rejected, because we want to be accepted. I don't know, some of you may know this. Actually, some of you knew me when I was in junior high. I was a short kid. Anybody, was anybody the short kid? I was the short kid. I, uh, and, and you know, I was, I was skinny and I was short, second tallest, by the way, second shortest, sorry. So there was one kid that was shorter than me, uh, but I at least wasn't the shortest, but I was pretty short. But here's the thing, I was funny, <laughs> right? I would do the silly things. I would be a goofball, and it's all in an attempt to hide what I thought was an inadequacy. I became something, I, I did something to, to counteract what I thought disqualified me. I, I, I was becoming something of what I thought they wanted. And we all do this in some way or another. We, we know our, the inadequacies that, that bug us. When we look in the mirror and see the things that we don't like, when we compare ourselves. And, and let's face it, I think we all struggle sometimes with liking who we are. And so because we struggle with liking who we are, we are then left with becoming what we think they want. And I think more than ever before, we are stuck in that comparison game in our society. Comparing my feed to theirs, right? Comparing my vacations to theirs. Comparing how my kids act to theirs. Comparing what my spouse does to what their spouse does. And we're, we're bombarded with it. It's all over the place. We are continually like reminded of what we don't have or who we're not or what we lack in. It's exhausting. But it's this constant reminder. And it's no wonder that these thoughts creep into our relationship and creep into how we interact with each other. Because I think at at the end, we can all agree, we want to be liked, we want to be accepted. And here's the thing, if left unchecked, these fears will define our relationships. Left unchecked, the fears that are going through, these will be what define our relationships. Who you think you're supposed to be. The fear of these negative thoughts, the worry that you're unlovable, this worry of not wanting to be hurt, this will be what actually drives the relationship. And then, again, we become something that we were never designed to be. And so the question is, like, where do we turn? What do we do? How do we face these fears? How do we take steps to where fear is not the driving force in our relationships? And it really comes down to this. We, we mentioned this in the, in, in the video. It says, we face fear by embracing our true identity. We face fear by embracing our true identity. Who are you? Are you the inadequacies? Are you the doubts that you have? Was I defined by my height? Am I going to let uh, uh, something that I have no control over define me? 
And yet so many of us do that. We let things that we don't even control be the definer of us. In the first couple weeks of the series, uh, I mentioned uh, Jeremiah. We used the passage in Jeremiah for I know the plans I have for you. We talked about some of Jeremiah's story and how he had a difficult task of, of telling the people some hard news. We, we mentioned that like he was the one to tell the people, hey, you guys are actually going to be in exile for another 70 years. Can you, can, I don't know if we have any people pleasers in the room, but can you imagine being the one to have to give like this negative, like, have you ever been the one that's like, I've, I've got to say the bad thing, that like, nobody wants to say it, but I've got to say the bad thing. Like Jeremiah, like, can you imagine being the person to tell your people like, hey guys, I know you've heard that we're going to be out of exile in like two years, or it's going to, it's actually going to be 70 years. You're probably not going to be liked very much. And, and this is, this is what he's been called to do. He's been called to be a voice to his people, to give hard news. And I think most of us know that's not an easy thing to do. And it's, it's only through him knowing his purpose that he's able to do this. If we look in Jeremiah, uh, the beginning of the chapter, we get, we get some, some insight into why he could have this confidence. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, it says this, The Lord gave me this message to Jeremiah. says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken Scholars say that he was probably in his late teens at this point. Can you, can you imagine being like a late teen and, and knowing that you're, you're going to be called to be a voice to your people? And then realizing that some of the things that you have to tell them don't sound like good news in the moment. God reminded him who he was. God reminded him what he was called Two, he could face the fear of rejection. He could face the fear of people not liking him or not enjoying what he has to say because he was holding on to a bigger truth. He was secure in who he was. We come back to this a lot here at Press. Your identity, our vision statement, helping people embrace their identity in Christ. When you understand your value who you are in the eyes of God, we can then start to process and become this, this, we can become free from the thoughts and the weights of what other people think, the judgments and the expectations that are on us. We can be free from that when we embrace who we are. We don't have to settle. The weight of other people's approval begins to lose its power. And sure, I'm not saying you're never going to struggle with this again, but when we start embracing who we are, who we've been called to be, those voices and those expectations begin to become smaller voices, and they do start to lose their power over us because you know who you are. And so what I'd like to do today is I'd like to just highlight two things that I see in Romans chapter 8 that can remind us of who we are the value that we have, who God says that we are. And so if you want to follow along, I'm going to be in Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to start in verse 14. It says this, 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There's a, a really cool thing about this term, this adoption term, because it wouldn't be very common in, in, Jewish, uh, in the Jewish community. But in the, the Roman community, adoption, it, it was fairly powerful. The old life of the adopted child was completely wiped out with all debts being canceled and with nothing from their past counting against them anymore. I don't know about you, but I can be really good at remembering my past. I can be really hard on myself. And I think a lot of us know those voices of other people who remember our past. And this is such a beautiful picture, this, this adoption picture of saying, what was is no more. What has been is no more. I've called you to something new. I see you as this. You belong. You are accepted. I think this is something that the church hasn't always exemplified very well. But in Christ, you are adopted, you are brought in, and your past loses its power. I don't know, you know, if I, if I think through this, I don't know what the bigger voice is, if it's my voice in my head that doesn't accept this, or if it's other voices speaking in that doesn't accept this. But I do think there's something here that's really important for some of us here today. Your past doesn't define you. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you. You are adopted. You are, you are family. And you have a new identity. You are not defined by your past. And, and I think one of my favorite parts of this is in verse 15. Uh, if you, could you put that up again? I think it's in the first, maybe it's the second slide of that verse. Uh, next, or maybe the one before that. Right there. I love this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. It brings up this fear concept. God's spirit releases us from being slaves to fear. So much of what we do, as we said already, is, is so fear-based. It's the potential of hurt, the potential of pain. And when we invite the Spirit into us, when we, when we live by the Spirit of God, this fear is no longer the thing that is controlling us. We are no longer slaves to our fear. We can live free because we know who we are. I've been adopted. I've been accepted. The God of, of heaven and earth calls me his own. That should mean something for you today. That we don't have to be 
we don't have to succumb to this fear. We don't have to live in this fear. And then later, in, in Romans chapter 8, we get to another theme here. And it's, it's ultimately God's love for us. Romans 8, starting in verse 35, says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. And, and, and even here, like, we don't get the full context here. Like, when he's saying no, it's, like, almost like an expletive here. Like, it's like H no. I'm not going to say it because somebody will get mad at me if I say it. Like, it's like, no way. No. Why would you think that? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. Anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved. You are adopted. You are loved. And I love how Paul uses, like, this rhetorical question to start off. It's like this silly, what shall separate us? He, he's, he's, he's not necessarily giving us an exhaustive list. Like, this isn't like, well, here's something that could potentially keep you from God's love. He's trying to get you to see the extreme of God's love. You know, people think, well, is this a, a spiritual thing, or is there, uh, is there different powers? No, he, he's just using a bunch of words to try to remind you that, like, God loves you a lot. And there's nothing here that's going to keep you from that. There's a, a section in one of the commentaries I was looking at, and, and I think this, this gives us some good insight to a verse like this. It says, it says that we forget that biblical writers are trying to get us to respond to what they are saying. They choose language and phraseology designed to stir our emotions and, our will, and, our, and move our wills. Preoccupation with the minutia of the text can keep us from appreciating its ultimate purpose and power. He's saying these things so that we will be moved. Let the power of these words move you to recognize God's love for you. I think of this almost like if you played sports, like that pep talk before the game. Are we going to let them take advantage of us? No. Are we going to let them take advantage of us? Like, you just get pumped up. Like, what do you have to say to get Like, you ask these rhetorical questions. Like, are you going to let them win? No, we're going we're gonna to beat them. And it's like Paul's doing that here. He's like saying these extremes. He's trying to get you to be moved to realize nothing can separate you from God's love. And then, you know, us and our conservative natures, oh, that's nice. That's sweet. God loves me. But that's how we approach it. Like, we, we don't pick up on this, like, rhetorical nature that, like, Paul's trying to, like, shake you. Like, hey, don't you realize this is true? If this is true, what does it mean for you? That rhymed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to do that. Seriously, what shall separate you from God's love? Nothing. And yet, we try so hard to get that very thing from our earth. 
The very thing that God gives us and promises is what we are seeking to get from each other. And we wonder why we're left wanting. We wonder why we never feel fulfilled. I love my wife deeply. She will never, she can never fulfill me completely. She wasn't intended to. I can never be everything that I'm supposed to be for her. If, if we are trying to get something out of these relationships that we are supposed to get from God, we're going to be left wanting. Earthly relationships can never provide that security, that ultimate security and the ultimate love that we so desire. Those of you that are married or in a romantic relationship, the other person can never fully give you what you need. Parents, your kids are not your ultimate source of value. Those who are single, learn now your identity. Understand your value does not come from this other person. Relationships are great. Relationships are healthy. We are called to them. We are designed for them. But they are not ultimately where we are fully fulfilled. If we are not first fulfilled in Christ, if we are not understanding of his love for us first, then all of this will suffer. Until we are secure in who we are. Dylan, you can come up. By embracing God's love for us and understanding our intrinsic value given by him, we can free ourselves. We can free ourselves from fear of rejection and these unhealthy attempts to find all of our value in others. I was talking to a friend this week. I, I think the word freedom is like, it, it just keeps ringing in my head. This, this idea of freedom. We are so enslaved to being something we're not. To, to, to try and, and become something we're, we're not supposed to be all because we want to be loved. And until we embrace God's love for us, until we embrace who he has called us to be, we will continue to struggle. We'll stay on this crazy train of relationships, desiring and sucking out the people around us because we just, we so want, I want, I want Get this right. Fear will lose its power. Rejection will lose its power when we embrace our identity in Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that that you accept us, knowing our faults, knowing our shortcomings, knowing our past. And I thank you that because of you and your spirit, we are, we are made new. We can live out of this new, new identity. And we can rest in the fact that you, you love us. And God, I, I pray for each of us today that, that in our relationships with our friends and our family and our spouses and our coworkers, that, that we can live in a freedom of knowing who we are, that we are valued because of who you say we are, and we can live out of that. God, I, I pray against 
the lies that we tell ourselves, to t- the lies that we tell ourselves that we're, we're inadequate, the lies that we tell ourselves that we're not good enough, that we're unlovable. I pray against those lies today, God, that we will accept the fact of who you say we are. We're worthy of your love because you've given it to us. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for an opportunity to be together, to worship you, to focus on you, and to to remind ourselves of who we are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and join us uh, as we continue in a time of worship. Let's sing about God's love for us.